Hallelujah. Um, I want us to take note of two things. Number one, he is our, our worship of God because um, we must never lose that place of private worship of God as a person, not just in church. Of course, what you do in your privacy translates outside. And let me start by, if you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. It says, but when thou, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. The the things of the spirit, the rewards of the Father, many times are not seen in secret. That's why even people that decide to spend all their lives in privacy with themselves and God, the day will always come that God will kick you out and say, go out and, and demonstrate the things I've deposited in your lives. In your life, so you cannot, even if you decide to stay in the secret place with God, God will not keep you secret permanently because part of the reward system of God is that one day is going to kick you out of that place and go out and go and demonstrate the things that you have learned of me in secret because God rewards what you do in secret openly. So, one of the ways for one of the ways that we we have power with God is that we don't take our privacy with him with negligence. You can be praying and it might not even look like anything is happening until the day that something actually happens and it shocks you. You know, Somebody was giving the testimony of how they decided to shut themselves in with God for a long time. No vision, no no angelic manifestation, no, Jesus did not even come down until, so the person had done that for a, long, a, a, a good while, and then he just said, let me go and visit some of someone. So he left home to go and visit the person. He gets to the person's eyes, they, they open the door, he steps in, the person falls out. It's not because he knew. You know, if an angel came or God came and spoke to him, he would have gone out with the confidence of, oh, I saw Jesus, you people, you are in trouble. But he didn't even have any awareness. It is impossible to stay long enough in a place where they make perfume and some of it will not rub on you. You leave and they will ask you, where are you coming from? That is how God's presence is. It is impossible to spend time in God's presence and you don't take some of that presence with you when you are going out. So if things are in a way that they should not be, maybe you are not maybe we are not carrying a strong enough presence of God with us. So then we need to go back so that we can bask in his presence. And one of the ways to do that is to worship. I know many many times we go to God's presence to to go and give him a list of challenges. But let me remind you that you are not telling God what he doesn't already know. So when you just go to God and say, Lord, you know I have this problem and that problem, God is just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He knew before you came that you had those problems. One of the reasons we pray is not because God doesn't know you have those challenges. Is that when you pray, you are directly asking him to intervene. And if you don't pray, he's not going to put his mouth where he wasn't invited. God doesn't do that. So we pray as a way of saying, God, these are the challenges and I'm inviting you to come and do something about them. It's not that the first time you prayed was the first time God found out that you had that challenge. He always knew, he knew before that challenge came that you were going to have it. Yet, if you don't invite him, then it doesn't come. So when we go to pray, more than the zeal to tell God about challenges and situations, there should be the zeal to magnify God for who he is, to worship him, it says for his pleasure we are created so we must always make it our own duty also to give god pleasure we do that when we worship him we do that when we magnify his name we do that when we put aside things that bug us and focus on him you know satan many of us worship satan a lot and we don't even know every time you are saying satan did this satan did that you realize you are testifying of the evil of satan the same way we come to the front and say, the Lord did this, the Lord did this. and you are, That means you are testifying of the goodness of God. Also, when you say Satan did this, Satan did this, you are also a testifier of, you are appreciating the devil for his works. That's what you are doing. Appreciating him for how evil he has been. Like, oh God, when it comes to evil. That is why we must, as a matter of principle, refuse to acknowledge that the devil is doing anything, even when he is. You know he's doing. But when you have, in that, you have that conversation with God and say, okay, uh, Satan wants to do this, but I thank you for the provision I have in Jesus to deal with what the devil is doing. But you don't go around publicizing what the devil is doing. You refuse to give him that pleasure of you acknowledging that is even but is even so you deny satan the pleasure of seeing you cry you deny satan the pleasure of seeing you complain because you are broke you de- you you it's a conscious decision to deny the devil any pleasure over your life anything that you would do that will make the devil think he has done something useful you would deliberately refuse to do it Hallelujah. So we must not take our, our our actions in privacy. There are many things you do in privacy. Sometimes you pray in the Holy Ghost in your privacy. But that's not the only thing you do in privacy. You worship in privacy. You study in privacy. You One of the things I've learned that those men of old knew how to do was that they knew how to get in God's presence and sit down and shut up. Because many times we go into God's presence and we feel the need to talk. But those men knew how to just stay there. And after you have done everything you know how to do, you will now keep quiet and sit down there. Whether something comes to your mind or not, you sit down and honor his presence in silence and just wait and just wait and just wait you'll be surprised it's one of the the things that is that seems to be lost now because 
now when people talk of meditation, the first thing that comes to your mind is some Eastern practices. But before all of that became popular, God already said you should meditate on the word. So you just sit down and just be thinking, ah, wait, when the Bible says this, what does it even mean? When the Bible says that, what is it even talking about? You'll be surprised that that is where the stream of revelation comes from. If you don't think on it, it's unlike, you are not going to get any revelation about it. So you deliberately pick the word and say, you read a verse and you're like, what does this verse even mean? Where else has God said something about this? Which other story? By the time you just do that and do that in your own mind, you'll be surprised the expansion that comes to your mind. It's one of the things I like to do such that eventually when I need to come and preach, I just, I just in, in the midst of churning that thing in my mind, maybe like a sentence just pops into my heart. But I've learned my lesson that when that sentence comes, the next thing is that I grab my phone and start typing. Many times you will not finish writing the first one before the second one comes, before the third one comes. By the time you actually check your book, you have written paragraphs and paragraphs. That is how the Holy Ghost works. Don't expect something super spectacular. You are praying and you just open your eyes and and the wall of your room is just glowing because the Holy Ghost has come. Those things happen and there's nothing that says those things cannot happen to you. But those are not going to be primary ways that God leads you to do certain things the primary way is that god leads us by faith and in leading us by faith he leads us by the inward witness so that there is that speaking deep within you that agrees with that thought you have or there is that thought that comes into you and there's a reaction against it but you know it's like when you um, you know, they do, they say all this, you just tech people help me here. You train, they say you train a model such that you expose it to many different kinds of information. And the idea is that whatever it is, is supposed to make sense of it. You know, that's what you do to your child. You, you speak to your child, even when you know the child cannot understand you. You, you say dada, you say mama, you say sit down, you say stand up. You call the child's name until it gets to a point where when you call that child's name, that child looks at you. Because now it is, it is almost training. It is training such that there, there's that absorption of information that eventually the child is able to make sense of it. So that the day the child says to you, I want to eat, you understand what the child is saying. Your child understands what the child is referring to. The first time you said eat, child was looking at you like, what's wrong with this? What are you even talking about? But the day comes where when you say eat, the child knows that it means to pick up your spoon and put that food in your mouth. At some point, make sense of everything. That is how our spirit and our mind, that's how it works. You put the word of God in, put the word of God in, and you might not know the full process, the way it's working, but the day comes where something that does not look like the word of God pops up. And then your spirit man reacts to it. The reason he's able to react against it is because it does not look like the things you have fed it. That's why the conscience is a good, your conscience is good, 
But if your conscience has been seared with hot iron, or if your conscience has been trained on things that are bad, that's why the Bible says even if your conscience condemns you, God is greater than your That is to say, your conscience might not be the perfect standard because of certain things. But even when your conscience is now saying, no, 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 when it should say yes, the Bible says the Lord is greater that in other words, your knowledge of God is greater than the condemnation that your conscience is bringing to you. So you have done something that you shouldn't do, and you have repented. And yet your mind is going, you are just an idiot. Why did you do that? Why did you have... You understand, you, how many of us have experienced that before? You know you have said sorry, but your mind is still going, ah, why, would you, why did you do it? At that point, what will save you is not your conscience because your conscience is still hacked, broken. What will save you is the knowledge of God that you have that says when you ask, he will forgive. At that point, you know that because you have asked of forgiveness, God has forgiven. So you can now retrain your conscience based on the knowledge you have. So if you don't have any knowledge, then there's nothing by which your spirit man can correct your conscience. So with that knowledge, that the day will now come where your conscience fully aligns with your spirit. And at that point, if your conscience says what you have done is right, before God it is right. If your conscience says no, it's no. The reason not being because your conscience in itself is all powerful, but because your conscience has been conformed to God, to his ways, to his words. Those things, all of our, all the things I've said now speaks to the intentionality of the of, of Christianity. You have to, there is a baseline that God gives all of us. It's called the same measure of faith. But after that same measure of faith, that same measure of faith got all of us saved. But all of us are not going to remain at the same level of faith. Sometimes the gift of faith will function in people. Sometimes it won't. But everybody has a responsibility to grow their own faith. And the extent to which you grow your faith is not a function of how many years you have been a Christian. It's a function of how long you have engaged with God. How long you have you have you have participated in the things of God? How long you have exposed yourself to God? So you can see somebody that was born in church and the person is now, I don't know, fifty-two years old, and then there's somebody else who is half the age of that person, and that person has a good grasp of God, a better grasp of God compared to the old man. And then the old man will say, uh, "Don't you know how old I am?" I've been serving God before you were born. God doesn't care for such stories. What God cares for is spiritual growth. A child can be 20, somebody can be 20, and in the spirit, they are absolute giants. And somebody else is 72, and in the eyes of God, the person is a baby. So that is also the reason why you don't compare yourself with somebody else. There is, let let me say this, that... The Christian journey is not uh, myself against you. It is not husband against wife. The Christian race is not one sibling versus the other sibling. The Christian race is your race against the time available to finish everything God said you must do. So the race you are running, we are not running, we are running the same race in the sense of 
the Christian race. But we are not running the same race in the sense of what you have to do is different from what I have to do. So your own race is personal. Your race is private. It is you versus what God has said you must be. It is you versus what God has said you must do. And the time left to do those things. So you are running against yourself. You are running against, let me say, you are running against the perfect version of you. It is a race for confirmation. A race such that at the end, you look like the version that of you that God expects you to look like. Let me tell you, there is many, many things that God shows us. This is how sometimes people don't ever get the things God wants them to have. Hmm. If How many of you have God spoken to that you have a lot of money? At some point, did God ever tell you, give you an idea? Did you hear of any sum of money that you might have? Maybe some people dreamt they saw one million dollars somewhere, something like that. It's possible. But here's the challenge. When God shows you things like that, the version of you that will be doing business in deep waters like that is unlikely to be the version that you currently have. So many times, people never get to that, to handle what God has said they will handle. Because they never grow to become that version of them that would handle those things. That's why if you if we are slacking in our privacy with God, we can see all the visions we want. We can see all the dreams you want. You can see yourself raising your hand on the crusade ground and 50 crippled people get up in one day. It will not happen until you grow into that version of yourself that can handle something like that. God will help us in Jesus' name. So there is a growth that is necessary for us. That we get better, that we get better, that we get, that we improve every day. Let it not be that a day goes by, that you have no contact with the things of God. Mom was saying this morning that if all, all the sermon you hear is the only sermon you are, you are still playing. That's what she said. You are playing. You are absolutely joking. Because there must be the impute that comes from you yourself every day. And we were saying it in the car. One of the reasons why, why uh, prayers don't seem to be answered over people is because people don't realize that the biggest prayer warriors of their own lives. It doesn't matter if all the servants of God if they put their hands together and they pray for you, if in your mind you say no, it is not going to happen to you. All the all the apostles, the 12 of them, if they come from heaven and surround you and pray for you, if it was possible that all of them, all 12 of them will come, surround you, lay hands on you and pray for you. If you say no to what they are praying about, it will not happen because as far as your life is concerned you are the greatest stakeholder of your own life and you know dad was giving the example in the morning that at some point the holy spirit told him and said that uh you need to tell your children to develop their own faith because your own faith would not always carry them and it is such a powerful thing because then you see this. Then we'll say, "Excuse me, can we have this?" And I say, "Have you have you prayed? What did God say?" He, he, he might look hard, 
but that's the way. I remember a story that Reverend Kennedy can gave. He, you know, healing, healing, all the healings and everything. And then one day, his his son had a fungal infection in the hair. And he was praying and he was praying. And the Lord said, my friend, you better stop praying because your faith would not work for that boy anymore. Tell him to go and use his own faith. So he stopped praying. And then, you know, normally the children were used to when he comes home. Ah, Daddy, my hair is paining me. Lay hands on Receive your healing. So this time, Daddy, my hair is paining me. Ah, oh God. The Lord said, pray for yourself. And he had a fungal infection. He had, if, he, if nothing happened, he was going to go deaf. At that point, it was him and his faith and his God. And the boy was, I think it was around 12 or 13 at that point. So you never, when God has, that's why you, when people say age of accountability, you are joking. Because the person that decides the age of accountability is the one that made you. So you can't say age 12. Age of accountability. What if the fa- the person that made you is saying age ten? Maybe at age eight, the man that the one that made you decides you are responsible enough now. And for somebody else, there are several factors. Maybe with the way you grew up, the environment you grew up, somebody that grew up in church at the same time, and somebody that's never heard of Jesus. For somebody in, a, in maybe somebody in some country that Christianity is a is a crime punishable by death. Maybe for someone like that, their age of accountability will be 22. You don't know. So you can't just put a limit. It is that you, as a person, must take responsibility for yourself. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And, uh, yeah, so I was saying that our spiritual practices, God wants to encourage us this morning, and God wants to also give us a warning this morning. So many of us, are overwhelmed. The Lord was speaking to me that many of us are, we seem a bit overwhelmed such that uh, we are struggling with our spiritual practices. And the Lord wants me to encourage you to press on because God is making room for you. Thank you. God wants us to press on because He's making room for us. Nobody is saying amen. Amen from here. <laughs> but also the warning that comes with it is that you will never be all you need to be with without those spiritual practices. You are not going to be a giant in the spirit without those spiritual practices. So in a way, if you say I'm not I'm 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 so overwhelmed I can't pray this morning. The problem with it is that you are not going to be the person you should be because you are not doing that prayer. So it's a catch-22. So whether you are disposed or not disposed, you think every every morning that Jesus got up to pray, you think it was every morning was convenient. Think about it. They lived in the Middle East. That place, the weather can be extreme. When it is hot, it is brutally hot. When it is cold, it is extremely, I will kill you kind of cold. Yet the Bible says Jesus will wake up early morning. By estimation, Jesus woke up around 3 or 4 every day to go and pray. So before all the disciples woke up, he had prayed for about 2, 3, 4 hours. And then he starts the day in extreme heat and in extreme cold. How many of you have tried getting up in winter to go to the living room to go and pray? How easy was it? 
uh, let's be honest, how easy was it? Like last January, what did you do? <laughs> you stayed under the duvet. <laughs> it's true because because I've done the same. I would just say, Holy Spirit, apologies, but can we do this prayer under this duvet? <laughs> and and you know you should be praying for about an hour. And after you have done this for about five minutes under the duvet, you sleep off. But next time you wake up, it's your alarm that wakes you. Ah, oh my God. God can excuse some of those things. But the truth of the matter is, if we keep it up, we will not get anywhere near where we need to get to. God acknowledges our weaknesses. He knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. But the problem is God does not use dust. It doesn't matter how much God feels sorry for us. God is not going to break spiritual laws and principles for us. He won't. He won't. That will help us in Jesus' name. <coughs> so on the subject of faith, um, we we really, really can't talk about faith enough. And I was thinking maybe this today, maybe I'm just going to wrap it up and stay somewhere, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Because um, let me give you a few scriptures that talk about faith. Many of them you know, but I'm just going to start from there. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is, imp- it is impossible to please God. Romans 14, verse 23, whatever is not of faith is sin. Hebrews 10.38, Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says we are justified by faith. Mark 11.23 says have faith. In God, essentially, the old the old Christian life is a life of faith. You know, think about it. You have to have faith that God loves you. Yes or no? You have to have faith in the sacrifice of Jesus for you. Yes or no? You have to have faith in the workings of the Holy Spirit is inside you. You have to have faith that when you are praying, somebody is listening. You know, it's easier if you are talking to your husband or wife and saying, and saying, okay, I need to do this, I need to, can you do this, can you do that? But when you close your eyes to pray, you must, you have to have faith that someone is listening and that the person is going to do what you are asking them to do. So you see that every aspect of, of life, of the Christian life, is about faith. Yes, there are things that God now provides that helps you in your faith. For example, things like the assurance of the Spirit. Those are the things that help our faith. That knowing that the Holy Ghost just furnishes, that regardless of what it is, even when 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 things look at the absolute worst, there's just that confidence that comes by the Holy Ghost inside you. Those are things that help our faith. Those are things that uphold our faith. Many, many times is that the Lord also sends encouragement, maybe through someone, or sends a word through someone, or helps you with something you are trusting him for. Things like there are many other things in Christianity that help your faith. But principally you live by faith. So I'm going to start by telling us some things that faith is not. Number one, faith is not assumption. When you talk about faith, you are not assuming. Faith is backed by the word of God. 
faith is backed by the word of God. Many men, because these are pitfalls that people fall into when they say, I'm walking in faith, but, rea- but that in reality, they are not. Faith is not assumption. What does it mean to assume? You jump to conclusions without verifying. You've assumed that that thing is the way it is. And what this is one of the challenges with Christianity today, that people have a lot of assumptions about God. And people have a lot of projections on God. Actually, for many people, the problem is that they they have expectations of who of what someone that qualifies as God should look like. You know what I mean? So people think that okay, if you say you are God, you must be nice. If you say you are God, if somebody to qualify as God, you must be able to do everything. You must be able to know everything. You must be able to solve all the world's problems. You must be able to heal every sick person. You must be able to, so that the God they believe in is a version of the God that they think of. That rather than listening to God, for God to tell them who he is and what he wants of them, they have a premonition of this is what God should look like. And based on that, I am going to serve him based on my own idea of who God is. That is why you see many churches in the world. And they will be be saying things that are contrary to the nature of God, but they are saying it with so much confidence because they think that is what God will do. No. What God will do is written in his word. And some of, many parts of the work of God they are offensive. Or you don't think the gospel is offensive? The Bible says the gospel is foolishness to those that are what? There is an of, one day maybe we'll talk about it. There is a, an offensive component to the gospel. Sometimes it might offense people's, offend people's sensibilities. How do when God walks up to a 75 year old man and says you are going to have a child, where is the sense in that? Because everything biological points to the fact that it is not going to happen. Also, I- imagine how many of you wish you were here in the days of Jesus so that you could see him do miracles live? None of you. You're afraid of what I'm going to say next. <laughs> if if maybe maybe if we were here, maybe you'd be part of the people. Um, the day Jesus decided, you know, maybe you'll be a, a successful businessman, and you would have, you know, uh, maybe you'll be into forex, you'll be exchanging currencies and all of that. And because you're a big man, you'll be chilling at home and you would have two or three people that are helping you with your business. And one of the locations of your business will be the temple. So you'll be doing forex for people. Somebody will bring their pants, you change it into dinner. Somebody, And unfortunately, your boys are in the shop that day when Jesus came with whip. Beat them from head to toe. They ran to the house and said, I see sir. Or maybe you are the one man in the shop because your boys went on holiday. And you caught some, you caught some beating from Jesus. <laughs> you think you believe him? You might have a problem. Jesus will look at the old generation of vipers. 
But people people want to present God in you you know that God is God is unapologetically God. If you read if you read the writings of Apostle Paul, he, he got to a point where he say, Are you when he said, Are you now saying that God will condemn uh I can't remember the way he put that, but it was basically saying that are you um are you now saying God has has created some people as as instruments of wrath and all of that? And his response was that, "Who are you, old man?" I, I've thought about that passage for a long time, <laughs> because normally you want to think of logic, like okay, uh, the person is just, the person is not just. But you start to see examples of Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. You start to see examples of Judas that. How many of you think Judas could repent? How many of you think there was a chance of Judas repenting? How many, no, no. How many of us, <laughs> let's do church. How many of us think there was a premise of repentance for Judas? That there was, there was a way that Judas could have repented? How many of us think that Judas could really have repented? You know how many you you know how many how many prophecies that would have to be cancelled for Judas to have repented. You don't understand what I'm saying. If if Judas had if Judas had you know when he saw that the Bible says when he saw that Jesus had uh, was arrested and Jesus didn't fight, back, he was expecting that Jesus would just vanish. You know, Jesus had done it before. The Bible says they were going to throw Jesus from the top of the mountain. The Bible says he walked. So I was expecting Jesus to just go commando and just, and then realized, oh boy, they are beating him. Oh. They are slapping this man. They are spitting on him. They put a crown of, you know, Jesus, Judas was dead before Jesus died. He's always like that. The traitor is always dead before the person they are betraying is dead. Absalom died before David died. That's how it works. So he could, in theory, have said, Esh, please forgive me. Please forgive. Peter also repented. So he could have repented like Peter in theory. And would God have said no if he repented? But could he actually have repented? <laughs> there is a may we not fulfill negative prophecy. May we not get to a point of no return with God. There is a point where hmm, there's a point where God leaves people to their own destruction. There is that. At the point where Jesus said to Judas, what you have to do, do quick. At that point, Judas was finished. And you, you know there were these Lord's Supper. Where the, Lord, the Bible says, and the others once thought that maybe Jesus sent him an errand that they did it. May, may God open our understanding. Jesus was at the same table where Jesus was saying, somebody will betray me. And he said, who, who was it? Whoever I dip this thing to and give to, the person will betray me. And then the same set of people, when Jesus now said, what you have to do, go and do. You, you understand how the person you want to betray is saying to you, that betrayer you want to betray me, go and do. And what do you do? You actually stood up went out to go and betray him. At that point, Judas was 
it was his case was closed it was sealed it was handed to the devil no chance in hell that satan was going to give him an opportunity to repent it wasn't going to happen because god had <laughs> you know that the reason why people in the world people have an opportunity at all to repent is because god is restraining satan from killing them it <sighs> How many of you are, when you came out of your mommy, you were born again? How come Satan couldn't, you know, how come Satan couldn't quickly kill you? You know, for some people that they actually spend a lot of time doing whatever they want until Jesus finally grabs them and they get born again. You know that all those, why didn't Satan kill them before they ever got the opportunity? There is something about the mercy of God that keeps people, keeps them, keeps them until God determines that they have heard the gospel sufficiently enough. If they change, fantastic. If they don't, at that point, it is on their own head. So there are people that God is keeping alive because you are supposed to tell them about Jesus and you have not told them. And God is still keeping them around hoping that you finally speak to them about God. For some people, it's their first chance. It's going to be their first chance. For some others, it's going to be their last chance to hear Jesus. Daddy was telling the story of a, 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 a woman like that in church. And she... So she was coming to church. This is where the spirit of religion, such a bad thing. The person was coming to church and the Holy Spirit said, that your neighbor preached to her before you go to church. And she was like, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I can't preach. Preach to her before you go. And the woman said, no. When I come back from church, the first thing I'm going to do is preach to the woman. So she went to church. When she, she left church and went back home, as she was getting home, she was hearing, she was hearing people crying and weeping. What happened? The woman she was supposed to preach to before she went to church, the woman stumbled on a stone, banged her head, and died. So in the two and a half hours she, or whatever number of hours she spent in church, the person she was supposed to preach to had died. Did, was her service to God that day acceptable? Was God was impressed that she was in church shouting hallelujah that day. She? So if we now bring that situation to ourselves, how many times have we been shouting hallelujah when God expects us to be crying? One of the lessons I've learned recently is that every service has its flavor, every service has its, has its texture. When you are supposed to let God help us that when we are supposed to be rolling on the floor, we won't be saying, Jesus is too good, though. When we are, I'm telling you, when we are supposed to be rolling on the floor, crying and saying, Lord, have mercy. Let, uh, let us not be lifting our hands and say, you have done it again. Because that service is not our own. There is no Sunday service that is your own. You didn't gather because of yourself. You gathered because of God. And if God has no say in the gathering you have gathered, you have gathered for yourself and not to him. God doesn't accept sacrifice out of pity. Otherwise, God would have accepted the sacrifice of Cain. 
so that at least Abel will be alive. God would not take sacrifice out of pity if it is not what it's supposed to be. What did God say to Cain? If you had done the right thing, would you be in this situation? So God knew the right thing. Cain knew the right thing. And what did Cain know? Cain knew the fact that God does not take a sacrifice that doesn't have blood in it. And Cain knew that. But what does he decided to pack? He decided to call God vegetarian. So packed cucumber, lettuce, and he brought the produce of the field. Whereas God had established the precedence when God was co- when God was covering the Bible says God killed an animal to cover Adam and Eve, and so that that had been passed down from generation. They knew, so they knew what they were supposed to do, and Abel did what they were supposed to do, but Cain did not, and even at the expense of at the possibility of Abel dying, God still did not take that thing from Cain. God would not, we can have our own version of God, but God will not take your own version of himself. God would only accept your, his version of himself. God is too secure in himself to pander to human beings. Let every man be a liar. Isn't that what God said? So we must, we must come into the seriousness of who God is. I'm not saying forget the place of mercy. I'm not saying forget the place of favor. I'm not saying forget the place of help. God is a serious God. God is a merciful God. You can be all of those things at once. How many of you are like that to your children? Isn't that what a father is supposed to be to his children? You are, are, your, fa- your children must know when you are serious. They must know when you are playing. They must, they must know when you are cracking jokes with them. So you can't be too serious that your children cannot even crack jokes with you. But you can't also be so jokey that they won't take you serious when you say, if human beings are able to find that balance, why do we think God can? Why do we think God can't? God can be, God is serious, God is just, God is righteous. Uh, let me give you a classic example. Um, when, when Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins, what was what was God's reason for putting him there? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave... So for you, for you it was love, wasn't it? It was because the Father loved us that he gave Jesus. Between God and Jesus, was it love? Because if it was love, would they have crucified him? So what was it? Between God and Jesus, it was justice. Somebody sinned. Somebody had to pay. And you are the one that qualifies to pay. So you will go and pay for the sins of somebody else. The end. It wasn't the case of, ah, Jesus, my son, I love you so much. No. It was that you, you are the sacrifice for these people we are trying to redeem. So when Jesus was on, that's why the Bible says that even God turned his face away from him. God couldn't look at him. But Jesus hung there long enough until every sin was accounted for. And at that point, he died. That's why when one of the things Jesus said on the cross was, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? If the father didn't forsake him, why would he say that? Jesus would have been lying if he said if he said that and the father did. So God, even God, like 
I can't even look at you right now. And then he died. That's why um, that psalm you read this morning saying that it will not leave my soul in hell. Jesus, even Jesus had to pray his own prayers for resurrection before he died. You understand? Jesus had to make provisions for that day. If Jesus didn't pray his own resurrection prayers, you will be surprised. God will help us in Jesus' name. Number two, faith is not denial. Number one, I said faith is not assumption. Number two, faith is not denial. You are not having faith by closing your eyes and pretending that thing is not happening. My friend, open your eyes. It is happening. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, apologies to tell you, but that uh, there's this condition. Your stomach is rumbling because of A, B, C, and D. And then you say, it's not me you are talking to. You carry your back. My friend, when you, <laughs> you know, they call you the five stages of grief. When you, <laughs> when you go through all the stages of grief, they look unto Jesus and acknowledge the fact that, okay, this is what they said. This is what happens. When men paint a picture of strength, then there's no reason for God to intervene. So it is to, it is to men and other people that you you paint a picture of strength because you are in you are walking by the strength of God. When it is you and God, you paint a picture of brokenness. You paint a picture of somebody that needs the Father to help them. Don't get don't confuse it. It's not it's not a. I'm not saying paint a picture of faithlessness. I'm saying paint a picture of somebody that needs help, of somebody that needs grace, of somebody that needs support, of somebody that needs intervention. Now, when you have done all of that and you have secured something from God, then you now take what you have gotten from God and then go and face the situation and say, according to this word of God, so when somebody says, oh, there's this sickness, you first turn to God and say, um, I went to the doctor today, Lord. You Interesting story. I went to the doctor today, and this is what the doctor said. You don't go and say, I'm just, you don't just put it there and pretend you didn't see it. It's there. That's what they said. So you go to God and say, God, uh, this is what the doctor said, but this is what I know. You are bigger than this. You are stronger than this. You are more powerful than this. You have healed this before. I won't be the case that did it happen for. When you have done all that expression of your confidence in God, then you now go into the word of God and say, this is what the Lord has said about my healing. Then you now take those words and face that thing and say, this one that doctor said, okay, Hmm. the difference between what is true and the truth it is in this point of denial. You can something can be true, yet not be the truth. It is true that the doctor said you are not well, but the truth is what God says the truth is, and you must also. When you say okay, they said I'm not well, fine, but this is what this is the truth of my father. By his stripes I am healed. I said because I am already healed. Situation I have now come to announce to you that you are not the end of me. I will see the end of you. And then from then on, your confession now is the truth, and not just what is true. You don't now start glorifying 
what is true. But you would always exalt what the truth of the word of God says. But the starting point is that you don't deny what they said. Number three, faith is not self-righteousness. You know, Job, classic example, stood before God, one of the four cardinals at the time. You know, there were four of them. Uh, one for the east, for the west, for the north, and for the south. And in their minds, they were the legends of the city and they were the custodians of wisdom. They were the ones that, you don't understand the position Job was. Job was the one that everybody went to when they had problems. And Job had everything figured out. His friends were like that too, so different areas. But they were like, until it hit him. And he started to preach. He didn't blame God. Bible says in all these things, Job did not sin. He didn't insult God, but what he did was to blow his own trumpet. Go and read Job very well. The man will be telling God how he did his sacrifices and his offerings, and how he was upright, the uprightness of his this, the upright. Self-righteousness would not save anybody. It, and that is not faith. Telling God that it can't happen, to, why would this happen to me when I pay my debt? You know, remember the publican and the Pharisee? Uh, Lord, I thank you because I'm not like that publican. I pay my tithe every day. I pray five times a day. I give to the poor and all of that. And the publican, the Bible says he couldn't even look up. Spot said, have mercy on me. He said, the publican went home more justified. That means their report card came quickly. And the publican went home more justified than the Pharisee. So faith is not self-righteousness. Faith is, next one, faith is not trusting in your own ability. This is where people miss it. People say, you know, how many of you have heard trust yourself, have faith in your own ability and all of that. God, faith is not trusting in your own ability. Faith, the Bible doesn't say have faith in yourself. That's where all some of these your self-help books, that's where they feel you can do it. You are strong. You are powerful. Congratulations. The devil will slap you black and blue because your faith is not in you. Faith, your faith is in someone bigger than you and bigger than everything that can confront you. That is who you are. So faith is not trusting your own ability. Next one. Faith is not presumption. Presumption is basically like some form of arrogance or some form of probability. Faith doesn't jump the gun. Faith, there is a certainty to faith. It is that we will look at that as God helps. There is a certainty to faith. At the point where you, where you are exercising faith, there is a reaction in heaven. I was thinking about it. You know, maybe sometimes because we say uh, when we pray, God answers. Sometimes maybe it it confuses people's understanding of what an answer is. So sometimes maybe we'll say, when we pray, God responds. So that you don't automatically... Because what happens is that people then pray. Their prayers are wrong. And they are saying, but you say God answers. Answers doesn't necessarily mean he has answered what you're asking for. But at least if you say God responds, you know what I mean. Just maybe something that also helps us to explain it to people a bit more. God responds. But the response might not be the answer that you are looking for. The next one is that when people are acting in faith, they think 
that faith stops them from going through the situation. Faith does not stop you from going through that situation. What faith does is that it guarantees that you come out of the situation victorious. Two examples. All of us know the example of the Hebrew boys. They said, even if our God, we, we, hey, 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 that expression of faith is fire. That we, even if we know that our God can save us. So the ability of God was not incredible. But if he decides, even if he now decides not to save us, we will still not bow. Esther said, if I perish, I perish. She didn't perish. But she fasted and she went through the eye of the needle. You know that it wasn't that it wasn't that God gave Esther's Azuerus, uh, what's his name? It's not that God gave him a dream. It was that she had to walk that plank such that she walked and got to him. And if he had not extended the scepter to her at that point, she was dead. So faith doesn't excuse you from the situation. Faith holds your hand through the situation. If you look at our, our most popular psalm, Psalm 23, If you look at Psalm 23, you go to verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk. Let me start from verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Then he goes to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God was with him. Yet, you realize that God was with him as he was walking through the valley of the shadows of death. God didn't say, oh, I'm with you. You can't. Notice that the previous verse talks, of, you lead me in the path of righteousness. So there is the path of righteousness. Sometimes the path of righteousness includes a place called the valley of the shadows of death. Such that, is your, such that that situation that hit you didn't hit you because you did something wrong. It hit you because it happens to men and you are human. And sometimes the only justification for that challenge you have is because you are human it happens like that and it is and the fact that it is something that happens to human beings and then bam. but yet in the valley of the shadow of death god was with him and you know he, he was walking through it and yet expressing his confidence he said said i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me That is how faith is. You hold on to God even when you are walking through the darkest of the darkest nights. And then you get to the next verse. It says, Thou preparest a table before me. That is usually what happens on the other side. Lord Jesus said, and, uh, Therefore, as I am highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name that at the mention of, at the, I don't like putting, 
God, Bible doesn't put mention at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. But this same person, before he got to that point, he went through the cross, he bore the shame, he bore reproach. You know, you know the kind of restraint that someone like Jesus had to have. Think about it. You made the people that are spitting on you, like you formed them. You are God. You formed them. They spit on you. They slap your face. They put crown of thorns on you. They beat you. They they reviled them. You know Jesus hung on the cross naked. Literally naked. On the cross. And he was crucified outside the city on the byway. It's like when they crucify someone next to the M25. And on the cross. That means everybody that travels past M25 will see him like that. Yet in all of these things, Jesus was telling disciples that put your sword away. If I if I if I decide to ask God for twelve legions of angels, would would He not provide them? That means that the the life that Jesus lived, you know you know it's <laughs> if you people that play games, you know what I mean. You know that sometimes when you are playing game and it's not going your way, you can just end it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Somebody, or maybe you are playing against your friend and the person has been beating you, beating me, beating you. You just go and kick the power cable, put off the old system, we'll start again. You understand? That means at, ev- at every point in the life of Jesus, he had the opportunity to just quit. That option was always there. That for Jesus to just wake up one morning and say, what is, this, what, what is this nonsense? Why am I even why am I even dealing with this nonsense? If he had decided to quit, he would not stop being God. It is man that is toast. But God never took away that option of Jesus. That's why he went to... If there was no way, why do you think Jesus went to get someone and said, if it is your will, let this cup pass over me? That means the option for the cup to pass over was always there. The question was, was it the Father's will or not? You understand? So Jesus at any point could have decided, I don't need this. Let's go make another, let's go make another bunch of beans on another planet. Let's start again. This time, let's not create Satan. You understand? But he did all of that. It is, it is when we walk through the the valley of the shadow of death in our own experience too, in our own experiences too, it is that we must hold on to faith in God. When you can't see God, one of the exp- greatest expressions of faith is that when you cannot see God at all, you still believe God is there. You can't see any way out. You, your logic, you know, many times, all, uh, we've said it before, sometimes because you have plan B, plan C, you are not too rigid on plan A, which is supposed to be God. You don't really put every your soul into because you figure, well, if God, if you give me my school fees, fine. But if you don't, I will work. And after six months, I'll pay the fees anyway. You know, when you have options like that, your prayer tends to be a bit half-hearted. But when you don't have options, <laughs> when you when your options are gone, that it is it is it is sink or swim time. 
what do you do? I was giving the example of Reverend Kenny Thinking. Imagine now you have to tell your son that the Lord said, my faith cannot help you. It is you and your faith. And at that point, the child had two options. Either he exercised his faith and got his healing, or he should accept the fact that he's going to go deaf. It was one of the two. Either he got healed or he went deaf. That same son eventually took over from the ministry of the fire. That means he swam. Some other people might have sunk. But it, it is it is when we get to situations like that, that is where if you read Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, you realize that many other people got to the end of situations like that. Sam's, you know Samson's name is in that list. You don't know. Hebrews 11, you find Samson's name there. How come Samson, have you thought of it? How come Samson's name ended up in the Hall of Fame of Faith? How come? When the man was down and out, he still could look up to God and say, one more. If you are God at all, one more. And that's what God is expecting from us, that when it looks like when we see, when we feel like there is no help at all, you still find the courage to say, God, one more. One more chance. You know, Satan likes to ply us with guilt. Satan likes to put us in a position where we can't even, you can't even maybe think of a way out. Or you or the, the, the options of a way out, they are bad. Have you ever been in a situation like that? That the solution that none of the solutions in in view, there is no good option. You know what I mean? That you're in a situation where there's there is no. <laughs> I heard the story of somebody that uh, that came to a servant of God and I think uh, how did this matter go? So went to servant of God and said and was trying to. I think he went for counseling. And the problem was that he had forged all the certificates he had used in his life. And now he became born again. And at that point, he was already a big man in a company. But now he's born again. If he tells the truth, they will sack him. Or they will prosecute him and jail him. But he cannot lie because he cannot sleep well at night. What do you do? Huh? It's easy to say when you are not the one facing jail. Is <laughs> that It's easy to say. Knowing fully well that by telling that truth, it is twenty-five years with no parole. You know how long twenty-five years is. At least, most of us here, at least minimum, most of us here, we have not done two times twenty-five years in this world. Have you? you, you, you uh, cal- wherever, whatever your age is, look for, look back to twenty five years ago. Since that time, twenty five years has not finished. And now somebody's looking at going to willingly hand themselves over for twenty five years. And you say, you gotta tell the truth. It's easy to say. When it's not your truth to tell. 
is why we must always pray for grace because it's easy to stand and judge people judge people judge people lead us not that lead us not to the temptation deliver us from evil there is something called evil and evil is evil i don't there's no that description evil is evil evil is grievous i was reading the story of a woman of a man that hmm, hmm, they had four children so she got pregnant again and while she was trying to give birth they developed complications so the doctors they said we are going to do surgery so the surgery went sideways and so they came out to the man and said you have to make a decision your wife or your child so the man is standing outside the theater and they're asking him choose one because you cannot save both choose one your wife or your child so the man chose his wife and of course the child died and all that and then when the woman was well the woman said where is her child and the man started trying to explain and the woman would not have it yes she said he should have chosen the child and i should have gone to maybe gone to marry somebody else why would you kill a child it's easy to say but because the reality of it is he chose her he chose one life over another life i are you saying that the other life is not precious when the bible says lead us not into temptation if he didn't make a decision both of them will die if whichever one he chose because now the woman goes home and she's grieving the loss of a child such that she can't pull herself out of the depression to even take care of the other four because she cannot she's she bought that child for nine months she had had a connection now she's struggling and every day she's remembering oh her husband killed her husband killed their child to save her so she feels like what is her life it's easy to say, oh, you know, some people will be logical and say, well, you have four children. Maybe stay around to take care of the four that you actually have. But it is easy to say. It's easy to say. It's easy to say. But people have lost children like that and they've never come out of it and they eventually kill themselves. Hmm. May, the, may the devil not not don't know how to put it in english <sighs> may the devil not brood over anything that concerns us yeah. there is the darkness that the devil brings such that you the, the house might be full of windows and the devil will make sure that you cannot see the window the sun will be shining outside and, this, and Satan would ensure that you cannot see the sun shining, that it will be so black. <laughs> many, many things that God saves us from. We must, we, must, we must think deeply so we can know how to be very grateful. You got pregnant, you had your baby, no problem and all that. <laughs> I remember when we had our first one. I cannot forget that drama because I think we spent about three or four days in the hospital. And every time they will say, uh, let's check the baby's pulse. Let's check the mother's pulse. 
And once they do that thing like this, the mother's heart rate will drop, bam. Baby's heart rate will drop, bam. And I'm supposed to be standing there looking at both of them and there's nothing I can do except to pray. And that's why I tell people that are expecting you. You better do your prayers before that day comes. Believe me, you will not find the energy to pray. You will not find... I'm serious. You... Hey... You will, you might not let me say let me not say we definitively will you might not find the strength or the courage to put in prayers maybe because this consultant is saying one thing you are looking at your wife that way you are thinking of the baby that way a million things are going through your mind the, maybe the best you can do is just to be praying in tongues quietly or silently but one thing you must do is put in prayers. From the day you find out you're expecting a baby till the day, I tell people, because it's what we have done. From the day we realize we're expecting a baby to the day they say, oh yeah, be, uh, pack your bags and come to the hospital. Even when they say come to the hospital, we'll do communion. Uh, There's one that they said we shouldn't, that uh, you must not eat anything. Communion is not anything. No, zero, zero apologies for that one. You eat communion before we go and see the doctor. When they say, have you eaten? No, because it's the spiritual food you ate. I'm not joking. Because then they will check it again and say, ah, apology, um, we need to stop now. The baby's heart rate has dropped significantly low. The mother's heart rate has just... And all this while, for all those days, they won't let her hit. So at what point do you not have energy anymore to push? <laughs> if you are looking for a human example of value of the shadows of death, it is childbirth. Yes, because you need to, you, you almost need to pass through death to bring forth life. There's nothing that does not die to bring forth life. So even women, when they're having children, there is what it is the it is the exchange of the life of God that gives us courage for things like that. Your husband cannot help you. Well, he can pray, but that's about all he can do, and he can be saying sorry. How many sorries are you going to hear before you tell him to keep quiet? Because it's going to be irritating you. Oga, keep your sorry in your back pocket. <laughs> Somebody had a baby, and, and after the baby, the man was saying to me, ah, why are you swearing for my entire family like that? <laughs> and she said, sorry, I, I can't remember. I wish I had recorded it. Swear for his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, all his ancestors. We'll go family by bear. <laughs> you know that kind of... Are you there? Hey, God help us. God help us. So when we talk of what faith is, maybe I shouldn't start this one today because I won't be able to finish it. But there's an understanding to faith that I'm trusting God that we will have. So we realize that faith is all we have. Faith is, faith is, 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 if you are looking for the thread of life, faith is that thread of life. Remember 
the Lord Jesus and Apostle Peter. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you, to sift you like wheat. You know what it means to sift like wheat? You know how they sift wheat? Huh? Ah. So after they do all the, in those days, after they've done all the trading like this, so they always use, they always try to do it in a place where there's a bit of wind. So they have this threshing um, instrument. So you, you, you hold it like this and just pull the whole thing and throw it up in the air. The, the idea being, when you throw it in the air like that, the, the air blows the chaff that way. Your feet falls, your wheat falls down this way. So when you do that, chaff this way, wheat this way, chaff this way, that is how you separate the wheat from the chaff. And what Satan was going to do was to do do Peter like that so that every substance strip him of everything that's contributed to him getting to where he got to. And the prayer Jesus prayed was that I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Because if the faith of a man fails, there is nothing God can do for a man whose faith has failed. That's what happened to Judas. There was no, there was nothing left in Judas that could convince him that there was any way God could forgive him. He had seen Jesus forgive the woman that was caught in adultery. He had seen Jesus forgive the sins of the man that was let in through the window. So Judas was not unaware of the fact that God forgives sins, that Jesus forgives sins. The problem was there, he, there was nowhere that he could figure that his own sins were forgivable. So he, in, his, in, in his mind, the only reasonable thing left to do was to go and die. And just like um, Saul, who killed Saul? One version says Saul fell on his sword. Somebody said an Amalekite killed so who had the Judas that the one gospel said he, he bought a field and fell headlong. Another version said he hung himself. Simple matter. He hung himself. His body fell into the field and burst open. Either way, whether they behead somebody or they shoot somebody, the person that is dead is dead. Is dead is dead. So the prayer is that God will help us that our faith will not fail. Are you ready to pray? You rise up on your feet this morning. We'll, conti- we'll continue this next week. Lift up, lift up your voice to the Lord and ask him, help me. Help my brothers. Help my sister. Don't only pray for yourself. Don't only pray for yourself. Pray for brethren. Sometimes we don't pray enough for each other. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for everyone here. Pray for everyone in this ministry. Pray for everyone. Pray for people that you know that are not even your church members. Fellow Christians all over the world that might be struggling with one thing or the other. Ask that the Lord will help us. That our faith will not fail. 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 
one of the things that that prayer did for Peter was that it brought the, it brought the conviction of sin on him, and then it, it it safeguarded him such that he could still find the point of mercy. He could still find a reason to say, "Lord, have mercy on me." That was what Judas never found, but Peter found it. That he wasn't so clouded in his own mind i wasn't so wrapped up in his situation that i couldn't lift up his eyes and ask for mercy that lord our faith will not fail when you say faith failed it means that the ability to believe is lost the hope to believe is lost the confidence to ask is missing pray that your faith will not fail that no, our faith will not fail that even in the darkest hour we'll still be able to look and say my lord and my god the bible says that there was eclipse uh, of, 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 uh, all over from 12 to 3 in that eclipse was where jesus was still making his statements that our faith will not fail help us that our faith will not fail that challenges will not make our faith. That it doesn't. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. You may have been carrying that burden for ages, but your faith will not fail. Your confidence in Jesus will not fail. Your confidence in your Maker will not fail. Your confidence in the ability of God to turn around the most difficult situation will not fail. In the name of Jesus, help our faith. Help our faith. Help our faith. Help our faith, Jesus. Help our faith, Jesus. Help our faith, Jesus. When situations and circumstances don't look anything like you expect, you had made the plans in your mind. You have said, okay, by this year, this is where I'm going to be. By that year, now it's not even looking anywhere like it. Lord, help us that our faith will not fail. Help us that our faith will not fail. Help us that our faith will not fail. Peter was supposed to be, you are Cephas, meaning a rock. Yes, he was the one person that denied Jesus three times in a row. Against people that didn't have anything to do against his destiny. He still denied Jesus three times. But his faith did not fail. That's the prayer that when Jesus is sitting in heaven praying for us. And we are in situations and circumstances. And Jesus is praying, interceding with the Father. One of the things he keeps telling the Father is, Lord, help their faith. Help their faith. Help their faith. And pray that prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I agree with you. Holy Spirit, I agree with you. Help me that my faith will not fail. Help me that my faith will not fail. Help me that my faith of my brothers will not fail. Help me that the faith of my sisters will not fail. Regardless of situations and circumstances, regardless of challenges, things are more difficult than you anticipated. Things are more horrendous. Literally, you can't see a way out. But your faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus, your faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus, our faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus, our faith will not fail. Strengthen our conviction. Strengthen our conviction. You don't get tired of praying. Don't get tired of praying. Strengthen our convictions, O Lord. Help our faith not to fail. Let the devil not be able to shake my belief in you. Let it not be that the devil make me take my face off you and onto myself. And I'm wallowing in my problems. And I'm wallowing in grief. And I'm wallowing in struggles. And I'm wallowing in self-pitying. 
help me. If you can't, if God cannot help you, who can? If God cannot help you, who can? When Satan causes you to doubt, he tries to make you disconnect from the from that thread of life that makes it possible for God to do things for you. God cannot do anything for you outside faith. Help me. Help me. Help me that my faith will not fail. Help me. Help me, help me, help me. I pray for every child of God listening. I pray for those that will yet listen. Our faith will not fail. Satan will not be able to sift us like wheat. Satan will not be able to stop us. Devil will not be able to stop us. In the name of Jesus. Begin to ask for strength. Ask that the Lord will strengthen your brothers. Ask that the Lord will strengthen your sisters. Ask that the Lord will strengthen everyone that concerns you ask the lord to strengthen us for everyone being persecuted all over the world yes you can pray for all the christians all over the world yes you can and that's what we are doing lord every brother and sister in the faith that is struggling strengthen them let their faith not fail strengthen them let their faith not fail they are even servants of god that are giving that they're about to give up on their call because they, they they've been laboring and they've been laboring like like the disciples said we've told all night we have caught nothing in the name of jesus let their faith not fail people that have been serving you for years oh lord people pray that prayer every servant of god people that have been faithful to the lord over the years but now they are weary now they are tired maybe you even know of one or even if you don't know of any, just lift them up to the Lord this morning. Lift them up to Jesus. Lord, men that have served you, men that are still serving you, but they are now they are struggling. Now they are struggling. Now they are struggling. Help them. Women that have served you, people that have thrown themselves into your service before, but now they are struggling. Now they are struggling. Oh God. Oh God, I ask for strength. Oh God, I ask for strength. Oh God, I ask for strength for your people. Oh God, I ask for strength for your people. Oh God, I ask for strength for your people. That minister, that man, that woman, that woman that is expecting great things from you, but it looks like it's not yet happening, and their faith is shaking. Oh Father, let their faith not fail. Let our faith not fail. Let their faith not fail. Let their faith not fail. Let their faith not fail. In the name of Jesus, I receive strength for that man in the field. I receive strength for that woman in the field. I receive grace for that missionary. I receive help for that person. In the name of Jesus. That pastor that has been laboring over five people and he has been laboring and he has been laboring and it looks like what am I even wasting my life doing? In the name of Jesus. Our faith will not fail. That businessman that has a heart for you but still he doesn't seem to be able to make hands meet that their faith will not fail that man you have spoken great things to that man woman you have spoken great things to but their lives look nothing like the things you have spoken to them let their faith not fail 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 in the name of jesus let our faith not fail help us help us as a body help us as a people help us as a body help us as a people help us 
as a body. Redo shapanta la kato brahato skeba. Marunde ke ligrahanto skeve. Ye paruta hambe ke ligarato sita. Jeti kato branda panis. Ze kombreto ke veliato skitaye. Je katapa palatos ke branda taliakaba. Je te gleheto skima. Je te papalatos keba. Je te gletos kaba. Ye gedeka papaliataba. In the name of Jesus. Let their faith not fail. 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 Rido shaban balatosi zebrando skita kalis zekata brando dosi zeketikla hatosina zeko brando dosi akave lego brando dosi ze zeko brando dosi aka. Thank you, Mahande. Zato blatosiza. Let our faith not fail. Help our faith. Help our faith. Satan is always trying to extinguish faith. When Jesus was living. He said, when I return, will I find faith? That's what he said. Will I find faith on the earth? Because Satan's whole soul him. If Satan can extinguish your faith, he has you. If Satan can extinguish your faith, he has you. Everything God has said is dependent on you believing him to bring it to pass. Pray that prayer one more time. Help our faith as a people. Help our faith. You cannot give up that people will not be saved. You cannot give up that people will not find Jesus. You cannot give up. You cannot give up that that thing the Lord has said about you will come to pass. You cannot give up. You cannot give up. Receive the strength not to give up. Receive the grace not to give up. Receive the strength not to give up. Receive the grace not to give up. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Lambrahato si Qatar. Just come one by one quickly. I will anoint your hands. You put your hands on your head and pray for yourself. Redo Shabalatoski Zekambalato Bratoske. Lay your hands on your head and pray for yourself. My faith will not fail. 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 Redo to Shaban Balata Brahantosketus Zekotabalate. Bring that baby. Bring that baby. Rado Shepalia Kaba. Zeto Kebalato Zize. Zeto Pra. Legrum Betesia. Zeto Paliske. Baruta Cates. Zecom Breto Ketia. Mambra to Zuzi. Put your hand on your head. Barusa Catemos. Zecom Brahato Siazinos. Zeco Tebrahantos Kete. Jetapalia Kaba. Rada. I receive strength. Tell the Lord. I receive strength. I receive strength. I receive strength. Strength for the journey. Strength for the journey strength for this life of faith like the life of faith can rado shapali kato the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith strength for this journey of 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 faith redo shapantala tabranta talia kaskepe redo shapelia kambra redo to sise mahante kaligrahatoske Strength for the journey. My faith will not fail. My faith will not fail. Everything I'm trusting you for will change. Every situation that does not look like what God has said, I command it to change. I take authority in the spirit and I command it to change. I command it to change. I command it to change. For those things that have made you cry, you begin to have joy. For those things that made you weep, those things that have kept you sleepless in the night, receive joy. Receive joy. Receive joy. Joy. Those things that made you cry will be the reasons why you now laugh. 
those things that made you upset will be the reasons why you lift up your hands and say thank you Jesus in the name of Jesus oh we thank you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus 